food is so critical to culture, sometimes it feels one and the same. Think of your favorite cuisines, types of food, Asian food. Okay, that's a big category. How about Thai or Indian? Even when you zone in on a country like Italy, you get very different foods based on what part of the country you're talking about. It's because geography plays a big part in how we divvy up a menu and the foods and ingredients available in that particular climate or location. Even here in the United States, it's no surprise that folks in Massachusetts eat more lobster than those living in Ohio, and in Illinois, sweet corn is a bigger staple than it is in Arizona. We eat what we can to feed ourselves. It makes sense. But locations on a map aren't the only factors shaping cuisine. You've got religious beliefs, immigration patterns, even socioeconomic status playing roles in shaping food culture. That's certainly the case for one very American cuisine, soul food, all at play. Soul food is the term for decadent, labor-intensive, deeply traditional African-American cooking. Typically, these days, you'd think of fried chicken, collard greens, ham hocks, mac and cheese, cornbread, but it's a lot more. A little background. Now, keep in mind, this is very, very surface level. You could read an entire book on African-American cooking, so I just want to give you kind of the gist of it. American slaves ate at the mercy of their owners allotted small helpings of starches like cornmeal and sweet potatoes, some cheap dried or smoked meat, a jug of molasses. They supplemented this with growing vegetables, foraging, fishing. Some of these skills brought over from West Africa when they were taken and brought to the United States. After emancipation, black Americans often had their own take on what we would typically think of as southern food, maybe adding stronger flavors, using every part of the pig, being more resourceful, adding in more of these celebratory meals like fried chicken and watermelon and desserts at weekly church gatherings. As black Americans left the South in droves, the Great Migration, across the country, these foods were community building in new places. Eventually, as soul became a popular word to describe good things happening in the black community, especially during the civil rights era, we began to know African-American cooking as soul food. Over the last 50 years or so, there's been some disagreement over what soul food means and what it should mean. In many ways, it means a different take on Southern food. It's gotten a reputation as being a bit heavy, bit salty. To some, it actually should refer to the more vegetable-centric diets early black Americans actually ate regularly. But to Lavinia McCoy, soul food, it's gourmet. I'm trying to elevate, I'm trying to uplift, I'm trying to give people a new vision and a new understanding of what soul food is and what soul food could be. Today on Abby Eats St. Louis, gourmet soul. A conversation with chef and owner of the popular downtown soul food spot where you can find everything you love about soul food while also forgetting everything you thought you knew about soul food. We're just getting started. We're going to be a common household name before this is all over with. How chef's military background and love of Instagram have helped fuel her success, why she loves millennials, and the vibe she says she's whipping up in her kitchen. Plus, we've got your food news and weekend planner. Lavinia grew up in small Illinois towns, Carbondale, Decatur. It's where she says her love of cooking first began. But it was hardly a straight shot from her childhood kitchen to owning her own restaurant. She actually joined the Air Force, where she spent 13 years, before going to corporate America, then culinary school, before even thinking of opening her own place. That's a heck of a story. Yeah. That is so, so, all of that is so, 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 so true. And, um, 
enjoyed every moment of it. My nine to five taught me a lot of how I was able to maneuver out here, you know, owning and running my own business. So, you know, I, I uh, hands off to them for giving me an opportunity, showing me the way. What did being in the Air Force, the United States Air Force, teach you about where you are now and help prepare you for running a restaurant? It taught me discipline. It taught me how to manage. It taught me that you can do nothing along, alone. It requires a team. It taught me esprit de corps. It taught me how to function as a manager, as a leader, and as a follower. And I mean, part of the reason this is incredible is not just because we don't have a ton of veterans in the restaurant industry. Black women, we don't see a lot of them in the Air Force and then moving on. How did you get into, how did you get interested in joining the Air Force? My dad was in the Air Force. So, you know, coming out of high school, I had decided way before I graduated from high school that the Air Force was what I would do. Mm -hmm. And um, then I was 17. Um. Didn't look back. I've been around the world. I've seen some things people only see in books. I've been to the demilitarized zone. I've stood toe-to-toe with North Korean guards. I went to Saudi Arabia. I've been to the Philippines. I was there when Mount Pinatubo erupted and we had to evacuate. I was in Mississippi when Hurricane Etna hit. So I've seen and I've done a lot of things. So this is just the cherry on top. A love of coordinating food parties at her office job led her to cooking school. A friend in one of her classes told her about an open restaurant space on Del Mar, just steps from the city museum. She says things just kind of fell into place. They opened the doors in 2015. I, I keep saying I sometimes I can't just like really believe it. Um, we've been featured in national magazines. Um, we were featured as one of the top 10 caterers, um, in Missouri, not just St. Louis in Missouri. So everything that I do, I'm like, you said something about the military. I am definitely a perfectionist. And so I I definitely believe in the saying that you eat with your eyes first. So presentation is everything to me. And um, I just love each and every, I love going in the kitchen, going to the lab, as I call it. We go in the lab and we figure some things out. Yeah, I love it. So the restaurant is called Gourmet Soul. There's two words in there and I want to dive into both of them. First, what does gourmet mean to you? Okay, gourmet for us, I think it's all about the, the presentation, right? I, I think it's uh, using common and uncommon uh, uncommon ingredients to come up with a more uh, a more diverse spin on a dish, right? So, for example, cooking with some sweet potatoes and a little lemongrass and maybe some bok choy and stuff like that. When you put those elements together, then you you just came up with something, in my opinion, that's very gourmet. And so those are uncommon ingredients in food, everyday food. So that's what gourmet means to me. And I, um, and so how I came up with the name is I was cooking for my fiance and I was like, you know, how would you describe my cooking abilities? And he said, you give me a little gourmet and you give me a little salt. So that's where the name came from. So what we're doing with the name now as we evolve 
and we reopen to the public, I think what we're going to do, we're going to do more tapas, more small plates, more more something that you can instead of doing a smothered pork chop and you got mashed potatoes and green beans and everything all over the plate because that's how you eat soul food how about we take that green bean or that asparagus layer it sit it up pull a gravy over the top and make it more eye-pleasing and a small dish instead of a very because it's a healthy environment out here you know more veganism vegan veganism and things of that nature so we're just trying to stay with the trends out yeah. here. So, yeah. yeah. You're evolving soul food. So w- tell me about if somebody visited planet earth <laughs> for the first time, or maybe, you know what, maybe visited America for the first time and they came to you and said, Lavinia, what is soul food? What does that mean? What does soul food mean to you? Uh, back in the day, soul food meant for us, um, we didn't have a lot of choices. So um, we had to utilize whatever scraps were given to us as a community back in those days. So for us, it was food that is cooked from the soul and it was being able to take different parts of like collard greens. They're amazing, right? Oh, It's yeah. just a simple green. Yeah, it's just a, a simple collard green that comes from the earth that we decided as a, as, as a uh, nationality, that's what I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to say, but we took that and we cooked it up and made a, a, a nice cuisine out of it, something that's far reaching and still reaching today. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's for me, gourmet soul is just strictly food cooked with love and food from the soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what gourmet soul means to me. Yeah, whether or not they consider the origins and, um, you know, how it came from African American community learning to cook yeah. with what they were given and then putting their spirit and love into it and then yes. it becoming its own cuisine. Now it's kind of something that it's almost. Um, do you think it's oversimplified when we think of it in this kind of cafeteria style um, Sunday after church kind of way? I tell you this. I don't really think it's oversimplified because the cooking technique, the cooking ability, the soul food is very simply put together. Yeah. But it's together with a lot of passion and a lot of love and a lot of soul. So for me, I, how many fine dining white napkin soul food restaurants are you like familiar with because there's such a stigma attached to the presentation of soul food as a whole I had I I, my restaurant before I started the remodel had tablecloths and linen napkins because I'm trying to produce and generate a different look a different thought a different feel on what soul soul food could potentially be. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have to make collard greens with ham hocks or smoked turkey? Absolutely not. You can saute the collard greens in a balsamic vinaigrette and chop up some tomatoes and chop up some onions on it. And so now you have a healthy spin on on a collard green. You know, the sweet potatoes, do you have to throw in a ton of butter and a ton of brown sugar and a ton? No, you can make a sweet potato souffle, 
possibly put it in a bowl or, 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 or a ramekin, sprinkle a little sugar on it, and maybe we'll make a brulee out of it. Let's torch it. Let's make a sweet potato brulee. So there's some different things that you can do to heighten the soul food. I'm trying to elevate. I'm trying to uplift. I'm trying to give people a new vision and a new understanding of what soul food is and what soul food could be. Gourmet Soul has over 10,000 followers on Instagram. It's the restaurant's main marketing. People see the stuff she whips up and want to get a taste of it. That social media strategy works for her because that's kind of her target demo. Millennials, Gen Xers. They're willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. They're willing to pay for the experience. So that's what we have to capitalize on. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, they want to come and and get chicken and and, uh, two sides and all that for like $5. You know, you have to learn and know your worth. So there is somebody that's going to be willing to pay for the food and for the experience. But you, meaning me, I have to know my worth. Don't don't dumb my recipes down. Don't dumb my price points down because I don't think people will come. They'll come because they want to experience that food, that cuisine, that conversation, that vibe. That's the thing now. It's a vibe. That's what I'm trying to create is a vibe. That got me thinking. You can get Chinese food, Thai food, Mexican, Italian here in this town at any price point. Out of a plastic bag or on a white tablecloth. There are restaurants around St. Louis where you will pay 10 bucks for biscuits and sorghum butter, 20 for a plate of fried chicken. We accept some cuisines, we accept southern food as something that can be fancy, high dollar, fine dining. Lavinia says, and I think she's right, it's about time we extend the same courtesy to soul food that we do so many other cuisines. So what's my goal in life? To have the first fine dining black soul food restaurant in St. Louis. That's what I'm trying to achieve. They are well on their way, not just to becoming more of a household name in St. Louis, but also Lavinia's daughter happens to currently also be in the Air Force. And she recently told her mom when she is kind of done with that work, she is going to move back to the West or I'm sorry, East Coast area, Washington, D.C. area. And producer Dory almost, she told me she wants to open a gourmet soul too in the D.C. area. I think that is a perfect idea, a great place to expand with that food. That market would just, pun intended here, eat it up for sure. <laughs> I think so too. And um, congrats to them for for seizing on these different opportunities. So it is February, end of February, but finally it's starting to seem a little bit more like spring is around the corner. Uh, Dory, I think we might hear sounds of spring potentially <laughs> in the background. We'll give people a head, quick heads up if you hear something that sounds like 
a wood chipper (laughs) chipper maybe then i guess that uh there's a wood chipper going on somewhere on your street (laughs) yep that's just the work from home life right now right wood chippers and weed whackers signs of spring that i will welcome and i think you do too oh for sure for sure and make sure you guys are letting us know where you are hitting up uh patios and more patios maybe some nice uh spacious indoor dining areas where you were just shaking off the cabin fever over the past couple weekends uh maybe hitting up a brewery or a winery or something like that do people go to wineries this time of year i don't know uh yeah i mean when it's nice why not <laughs> i would have never thought about <laughs> going to a winery in february i'm sure people wouldn't have even thought about sitting on a patio in 50 degree weather but Tis the new normal. So Ah, St. Louis weather too. Exactly. We want to hear about it. Well, while it is not quite spring yet, it is another season, fish fry season. We told you guys about um, our fish fry guide. That website is ksdk.com slash fish fry. Fish fry, right, Dory? Fish fry, yep. Awesome. But And um, we have some food news to get to, which also includes some more places to get your fish fix. Say that yes. five times fast. <laughs> no way. I'm not going to even try. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fish fry season doesn't just include the church you grew up going to, your local <laughs> parish. A lot of the local restaurants are also taking on that typical Friday Lent tradition and taking it up a level, elevating it, so to speak, mm-hmm. a little bit of a gourmet fish yeah. fry. If you will. Um, so Yellow Belly, for instance, has Lobster taquitos. That sounds so good. Um, Nathaniel Reed Bakery is serving up a tuna fish salad sandwich. They're well known for their sandwiches besides their baked goods there. And Russell's has a fried cod with a lemon caper aioli, which sounds right up my alley. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of places in the St. Louis area who are offering these sort of other kind of fish fry things if you want to partake in that this weekend. Uh, We'll put a link to everything that we've gathered up in the episode notes for this episode so you can check them out. Do you remember growing up going to Catholic school and being told that, you know, it was a sacrifice to not eat meat on Fridays? Of course. I, that's the whole purpose behind not eating meat on Fridays during Lent. I will go ahead and say this. St. Louis restaurants are really making it less of a sacrifice (laughs) to avoid meat. If it's an excuse to grab something tasty like this, mm, good. Mm. I love it. It's not so much of a sacrifice. It's more of an opportunity. Exactly. Uh, We have a couple stories that I think the pups are just going to love. Exactly. Uh, A couple of things here. So a creamery in Illinois, Marcoot Jersey Creamery, has launched a new line of dog treats on Amazon. So this is part of the ways that they've been thinking outside the box to expand their business during the pandemic. They're a women-owned dairy farm in Greenville, and they've started making these treats out of 100% doggy safe cheese. And now they're available on Amazon for everybody to enjoy. I feel like my pups would love that because cheese is always, always, always a winner. <laughs> always a winner. <laughs> Very creative too. Uh, that's so. That's one treat. So if you want, like, that's like an appetizer, maybe mm. for your for your pet. How about some dessert? And your pet can head to Clementine's for a dog friendly ice cream pup cup. They're now available in their stores throughout the St. Louis area as part of a partnership with Mixed Mutt Creamery, which is based out of of Kansas City. Um, So they have three all natural flavors that your pups can enjoy a banana peanut butter dream, Mm. barking maple bacon. And a blueberry yum yum. Now, all of these, like I said, they're all natural. And the ingredients sound 
really good. Like I would want to sneak yeah, a little. Like bite. I would definitely try any of these. Yes. They, and they all sound really good. They have like herbs and flowers and like poppy seeds in them. All of these like really interesting things that sound really good for your pup, but also it's good for uh, local rescue here in St. Louis too. 50 cents from every cup will be donated to stray rescue. Do you think that the folks who named this named Barking Maple Bacon after Scott Connell's dog, Maple, and <gasps> that time that he was barking or that she was barking and he was trying to record a weather standup? Uh, yes, let's say yes, for sure. <laughs> I think but at the maple. very least, we need to make sure he knows about that year. He's like, Maple, Maple. And that wound up on Ellen, by the way. If you guys don't yes. know what we're talking about here, like get on our website or even just Google it, Scott Google Connell, it. <laughs> Maple. And it is, he's the most endearing person in the world. And it's a hilarious clip, but Barking Maple Bacon, we definitely need to make sure he knows about that. He need, Yes, we need to slack him like ASAP as soon as we're done here. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. So that's some good pet related news. We also were, you know, it's bad news for the cat lovers though in this story. Yes. So vandalism happened over at my house. How do you say Mau that? House. Mau, Mau House. House is from what I understand. I've never heard that said out loud before. Yeah, right. I've you look at it, it you're like time. Mau House. I think it's Mau like, House. how would a cat read it, Dory? Mau House. Mau House. Okay. Yeah. Mau House. So a not great story with Mau House though. So Vandal, a vandal went and essentially smashed into their large storefront window they're now asking for donations because they said this is a an expense that they were not anticipating in a year when you know money is tight already. This is a huge expense. Having looked into replacing windows this week myself, I know how expensive yeah. replacing any window would be, much less a large one with you know your own lettering and an image on there. So they're right. asking for donations. The owners of this cat cafe in Maplewood they they shared a picture of what exactly happened, and it shows a shovel just sliced into this window. Um, they said that it's been all caught on video and police now have that video. So they're searching and trying to investigate and see who did this. Um, thankfully, all the cats inside Mao House are safe. They're a little freaked out, understandably. Yeah. Um, the alarm went off that scared off the suspect and alerted police. Um, but yeah, if you're looking to maybe give a little, uh, Mao House in Maplewood would be more than welcome to more than eager to take a donation mm -hmm. from you right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's those types of things. You're like, who does this kind of stuff? And um, uh, thankfully everybody's okay. Yeah. Thankfully everybody's okay. And hopefully, um, I mean, I'm allergic to cats, so I have never been inside of there, but I've heard of it and I know a lot of people love it. So hopefully they are able to get, you know what they say about cat story. They always land on their feet. Let's hope <laughs> cat cafes do the same. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to do a hilarious uh, pivot. Speaking of feet, how about eight feet, 11 inches? <laughs> okay. We so should record in the afternoon when I'm two cups of coffee and a soda deep more regularly. <laughs> more often. Right. And I'm at my, the end of my day and I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. So what Abby is trying to say here is that old bakery beer company in Alton is honoring its most famous, I would think. Yeah. At least one of its most famous residents, uh, known as Robert Wadlow. If you don't know that name, you might recognize him as being the tallest man 
in recorded history. So Old Bakery Beer Company is coming out with a limited edition beer. It's called the Gentle Giant IPA. It's released this week on what would have been his 103rd birthday, and it'll be available for the next few weeks at that brewery up there in Alton. Yeah, he grew to be eight foot 11 inches and eight feet 11 inches tall. And he passed away when he was only 22. Um, So unfortunately, obviously, he never got to try a beer in his own honor. But um, I think it's cool. I think I like leaning into like local history, local lore. I love when breweries especially come up with ways to celebrate quirky, fun things with their beer. And Mm -hmm. I think this one is fun. Yeah, fun. And Alton really takes pride in their historic resident there. So it's a nice little homage, I think, to him. Totally. Would you say Alton is a flavor town? I, uh, yes. Um, (laughs) Isn't all of St. Louis a flavor town and and becoming a little more so? uh, I think St. Louis is about to become a flavor town. This story made us both giggle a little bit. (laughs) And, you know, for reasons, I guess, for reasons. For obvious reasons that maybe (laughs) we don't even need to go into here. But, okay, so... Flavortown's next stop is St. Louis. Flavortown meeting Guy Fieri and his famous Flavortown kitchen. He's opening two locations here in the St. Louis area, one in the West County Mall, and then another one right there at Highway 40 in Lindbergh. So that's a very busy spot, busy location there. Now, these aren't locations that you can necessarily like go into and order your flipping chicken winger dingers, whatever he has on the menu. (laughs) These are are ghost kitchens, delivery only. Uh, I checked out the menu earlier today. It's pretty much your basic bar fare. Jalapeno poppers, egg rolls, wings, burgers, salads, couple pastas, a little bit of everything there. But um, if you're looking for to take a trip, uh, you can go to Flavortown in St. Louis now. But the best part about that is if you... You don't have to eat Guy Fieri food in front of everybody else. You can just like bring it home and eat it at your house. You know, Guy Fieri is like, he's one of those people that everybody in the food, I, I just feel like he's like a fun guy to hate on, but like, he seems really nice. He seems he like seems a nice, nice. Yeah. He's and like he's, a nice guy. he's done a lot for a lot of businesses totally. all over the country. So, you know, he, but he's, like you said, he's, he's kind of like a nickelback of the food world. <laughs> Is that wrong? Is that bad? That is the best analogy I've ever heard. That is so fitting. That's funny. That's funny. I like that. And hey, you know what? We like when people put St. Louis on their map. So there you go. I love it. There you go. Yeah. Hey, Dory, since you haven't been able to go to Flavortown yet, what is the best thing you've had to eat this week? Well, you know, I'm glad we talked about the Lent uh, elevated food deals earlier in this uh, the small bite part here, because I had a nice little dinner last Friday night, um, wanted to get some fish with it being Lent. So and by the time we were ordering dinner, it was a little too late for the fish fries because, you know, they usually wrap around yeah. 7, 730 or you, at least these days, you especially need to have your order in early. Totally. So instead, we put in an order at uh, Grace Meat and Three. Got their Friday fish special, which last week was a mahi fish, deep fried and tossed in a delicious garlic buffalo sauce. It was so good. There was like little, just like little 
fish finger bite kind of things. It was really good. Um, had a great spice to it. I would have loved to have a little bit more of the garlic flavor in it, but the buffalo was just great on its own. So got that and a big old box of fries with their, um, their really tasty cheese sauce that you can dip into. And, and their fries are great. They're crinkle cut and they have like a real nice blend of spices that they put on it. So it was a nice little Friday Lent special that we had from Grace Meat and Three. I kind of hate that you're talking about how good that was because I wanted it so badly. (laughs) I tried, I got the order. We were talking about her Friday. We were like strategizing our food plan on Friday. And, um, I only had a short amount of time that I could, that we, we could pick up dinner. And, um, yeah, by the time it would have been ready, it would have been a little bit too late based on when I was placing the order. So we Mm. tried to go to, um, max and max local eats is doing on Cherokee is doing the thing where it's a drive-through order. And so you just, park alongside the curb it was a couple dozen cars long and Mm. I have to props to the folks working there because they were walking up and down the line and like gave us a bag of fries but we just yeah we wanted to stay I wanted to stay so bad because I had another like crawfish po'boy special that looked so good but I couldn't we couldn't stay unfortunately so I wound up getting some um sushi bowls at uh, pokey dokey to observe our lent but the best thing I had to eat this week has to be courtesy of our friend, um, Colin and Melissa, our friends, Colin and Melissa, their daughter, McKenna is in, oh my gosh, she's what? Early she's middle like, school. Yeah. Early elementary school, like second grade. Yeah. I think she's in second grade. I should know this. She acts like a little adult, but our friend, <laughs> um, our friend's daughter made blondie snickerdoodle brownies. Oh my goodness. They were so, so good. And I, you know, she, I don't know where she found this little recipe, but basically this young kid says, I want to bake something. And she found a recipe and baked it all on her own. And I just want to say that if this pandemic time at home is going to force more kids to learn to bake and bake me items and make delicious treats and get into those kind of things that maybe kids over the past few years haven't been really getting as into. Um, I'm pro I'm all for that. Cause man, I couldn't bake like that when I was her age. So that's, that sounds so good and so ambitious and like, bravo way yeah. to go McKenna. Yeah. I'm really glad we had to get something from Colin this weekend. And I'm really glad that he, uh, he supplied the brownies as well. So I love it. So good. The blondies. So, well, like we've said, this weekend is, you know, the end of February, the last weekend of February. It might wind up being a really great weekend to head outside. We wanted to put a couple of events on your radar, though, for this weekend being February 26th through 28th. Starting Friday is Collinsville restaurant week. Um, it's the second annual event. So once you do it two years in a row, you can call it annual, but this year it's, uh, we decided on that, uh, this year it's a restaurant weekend though. So nine different restaurants are going to be offering lunch specials for 12 bucks, dinner specials for 30 bucks. In some cases, that's two people. We're talking about dining for 30 bucks. They'll have both carry out and dine in. So you can do restaurant week from the comfort of your own home. A big variety too, um, everywhere from Old Herald Brewery and Distillery um, to Caricillo's Mexican Restaurant, the Sandwich Shop Diner. So support some restaurants um, over on the Illinois side for Collinsville Restaurant Week this weekend. And um, something else we wanted to flag to everybody, it's happening Saturday, Friday and Saturday is the Centennial Beer Festival. So 
Before you get too excited about this one, this event is nearly sold out. So you'll want to check for tickets on this fast. Um, This is happening, like I said, Friday and Saturday. They're offering samples from six different breweries and what they're calling an intimate beer festival. Um, The way they're selling tickets is by group. So you can have up to 10 people. It's one ticket essentially for up to 10 people. And you get the space. uh, It's like a two hour time slot, I believe. And you get to sample all kinds of beers from these different breweries. Um, It's being held at the Mulan events and meeting space on Shoto in the city. Um, And yeah, just double check on that one because Tickets were running out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a, I think it's the 13th year that they're having this festival. So it's a yes. long running local festival. Um, and that's their 13th year. The Food Peddler, a friend of the podcast, um, we've had them on when we were talking about different delivery apps. The Food Peddler is St. Louis's favorite bicycle delivery service, delivering meals on two wheels. They are celebrating turning eight this weekend by, for the first time, collaborating with different restaurants, some of them where they've been uh, delivery partners for the past few years. That includes a couple namesake products like a cupcake at The Cup, a sandwich at Pickles Deli, juice at Hello Juice, um, and a pizza, the Peddler Pie at Pie Guy Pizza. So the cupcake and sandwich are available through March 6th. Um, The Peddler Pie is available at Pie Guy through Saturday. Hello Juice and Smoothie while supplies last. And um, hit them up on Instagram if you want to see some more details about like what those are because they all look really tasty. Looks like Mm. good stuff. We're here for a good collaboration. We are. We're a good collaboration, I think. Oh. Ooh la la. Abby St. Louis is a five on your side production. I am Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Special thanks this episode to both Kayla Wheeler, our colleague who wrote up a couple of those food stories today, and to James Beard award-winning author Adrian Miller. His article, An Illustrated History of Soul Food, was pretty informative for this episode as well. Be sure you are subscribed to our podcast so you are just getting every episode the moment that you possibly can. And we really, really, really love it if you drop us a review as well, especially if that review is five stars. Let us know what you get up to this weekend. Yeah, Dory's flashing five, five, one, right? Five, five, one. Um, Let us know what you get up to this weekend. We are uh, at Abby Eats St. Louis on Instagram. Be safe, have fun. Don't forget your sunglasses and seize the plate.